Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. All these years of being a pastor, 14 Christmas seasons I can count now, and many more years than that of being a Christian and a churchgoer. And this year is the first time it ever occurred to me that there would have been fleas in that stable. (laughs) We suppose about 2,000 years have passed since Jesus was born. 2,000 years provides ample opportunity to sanitize our picture of the events that happened. We have the art and music to prove it the art and music that give us that sanitized picture of those long-ago events. No wonder I never thought about the fleas. I've only occasionally visited a barn, but there would have had to have been fleas. I can treat my house pets for fleas, but I don't think even today we treat barn animals for fleas. And 2,000 years ago? Of course not. When Jesus was born, his family stayed in a barn because the town was crowded and all the hotels were filled up. There would have been fleas in the barn, and the fleas probably would have been attracted to the human bodies present in that place. And the baby was laid in a trough, a feed box. So while there would have been fleas generally around the barn, there probably would have been other bugs there in the manger itself. I'm thinking maybe grain moths or their larvae. And we know barns sometimes smell like manure, and manure is a nicer, more agricultural way of saying poop. (laughs) It's one thing to say the word was made flesh. It is another thing entirely to get into the fleshy details of what an embodied life entails. The reason the details matter is that they startle us. I think we can be lulled into becoming philosophical about our spirituality. Sometimes we have to be startled out of our philosophical lull before we can begin to grasp how bizarre and outrageous it is to suggest that God would be born as a baby. When we try to juxtapose a hazy philosophical and spiritual perspective on on God with the image of a newborn baby getting fleas in close proximity to animal poop, there is a profound mismatch. Paradox is at the heart of the Christian faith. Sometimes we have to be startled out of our philosophical lull before we can appreciate the deeply profound and radical message behind God's choice of a central story for God's presence in the world. Christians do not primarily tell stories about the Spirit of God invisibly moving to touch minds and hearts. The central stories Christians tell are about a baby born in a stable, about a man who taught and healed and loved, about a man who died and lived again, These are fleshy stories, embodied stories, stories that try to grasp a God who is word become flesh. 
Perhaps ironically, John's gospel is the most philosophical or spiritual of the gospels. John's gospel is the one of the four gospels in our Bible that is most likely to use vague and complex language to paint a picture of God's spirit at work. Our reading this morning is an example of this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. It's lovely language, but not very concrete. It's difficult to get a handle on. It takes some puzzling over before we can untangle its meaning. And yet, John makes the move to the concrete. The Word became flesh. The Word lived among us. In giving us stories to define the Christian faith, God has given us a way to understand who God is and how God works. And one of the most defining stories, the most central stories, is of God born among us. A newborn baby is somewhat fragile. When you hold a newborn baby, you support its neck to keep it safe as it tries to hold its head up, which it can't do yet. We all hold a newborn very carefully. It would be terrible to drop a baby. I wonder who all they passed around baby Jesus to. What if somebody dropped Jesus? How could God be so humanly vulnerable? How can we think of God in this way? It is outrageous and bizarre to suggest that God would be born as a baby. Those of you who saw the Kevin Smith movie Dogma may remember that God is portrayed as choosing to pass some of some time as an old man who loves to watch skee-ball at an arcade in New Jersey, which leaves him vulnerable to assault, which is what happens. The portrayal in dogma is ridiculous and is consistent with a God who would be born as a baby. Another image that captures the Christmas paradox, the puzzle of God being born into flesh and blood, comes from an ancient Greek hymn still used in the Eastern Orthodox churches. The hymn uses the word theotokos, which is Greek for God-bearer. That's one of the ancient titles for Jesus' mother, Mary. This ancient Greek hymn says this, He whom the entire universe could not contain was contained within your womb, O theotokos. I'll say it again. He whom the entire universe could not contain was contained within your womb, O God-bearer. That's much more lovely language for the paradox than my clumsy interjection of fleas in a barn into our images of God as word made flesh. It's almost impossible, really, to think of God, the eternal and infinite, as a baby. How could the vastness of God be contained in a tiny baby? How, indeed, could this one who cannot be contained even by the most wide expanse of the universe be contained within a single womb? And yet, the Christian faith invites us 
to imagine God as a baby, to imagine God contained within human history in the world we know. The Christian faith startles us out of our philosophical ponderings and asks us to think of a little one whose neck cannot even yet support its head. The story about a baby born in a stable is central to who we are as Christians, central to how we understand God. This is a fleshy story, an embodied story. Can we see God in a baby? Our faith asks us to. And beyond imagining God as a baby, our faith asks us to allow our stories to be shaped by that story. Our faith asks us to allow our attitudes and choices and actions to be shaped by that story. We are invited from the very center of our faith to approach with reverence every baby, every barn, every feed trough, to bring a sense of reverence to every flea, to manure, to bring reverence to our grocery shopping and our neighbors and our gardens. Perhaps this is what John means when he says that we become children of God. That's another part of the scripture we heard this morning, that those who receive Jesus and believe become children of God. Maybe what this means is that we who can see the word of God's presence made flesh can see God all around us, all around our world, and can act accordingly. And maybe being children of God means just that, to act here and now in our world as if God were present all around us, because God is. And so, a baby is born even amid fleas, and we say, God is with us. We have traveled through a season of anticipating a coming Messiah, awaiting the arrival of a Savior sent by God. But in the waiting, there are so many questions about what that means. Who does God send? How does God come? What does it mean, this idea of Messiah or Savior? Bit by bit, we have tried to bring that picture into focus. With the celebration of Christmas, we begin to see the picture more clearly. The assertion is this. God shows up among us in the simplest and most concrete ways. God shows up among us in the most ordinary of circumstances. And this assertion has a claim on us. This assertion of God with us, word made flesh, demands that we see the sacred all around us. This assertion demands that in the simplest and most concrete details of our lives, in the most ordinary of circumstances, it demands that we see God's presence. The assertion of word-made flesh asks us to treat one another and this world of ours as sacred. For God indeed is with us. Emmanuel, word made flesh. Amen.